I can't, I cannot keep doing this. I mean, I was going to have to, but if I'd not then next had that thought of oh, lightning process, I'd have got back into bed and, you know, carried on and carried on. You know, you, you don't know how those things would have worked out, do you? All I know is that that mm. was that defining moment. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. I'm pleased to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let Lodge Court deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly routine package that is right for you and your people. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today I have the pleasure of Alison Petty on the show. Good morning to you and welcome, Alison. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's been a while since we, yeah. we set up this conversation, uh, but we're here today. Uh, you are a, a mindset coach and an inspirational speaker uh, with a focus on resilience and transformational coaching. And today we're going to be exploring, and this is where the inspiration all comes from, uh, your story from being in a wheelchair to rock climbing and ultimately becoming a mindset coach. But before we go there, Alison, I'd like to ask, uh, what do you love about what you do? I... Uh, well, two things, if that's okay. <laughs> we can have two things. Um, the, the big one is the change in the clients that I see. So that's, you know, that's the exciting part for me. It's nourishing for me. Every every session I've ever come away from, I feel good, even if that person started out in a really dark, difficult place. But because of that change that I see in them during the session, you know, I always come away feeling uplifted as well. And then as listeners will find out, you know, my, my why, you know, I've really walked the walk and I talk the talk and I get to now pay it forward and help other people because of my history um so yeah it's like it's if I'd have gone off and just lived my life in a very different way that would have been awesome but for me it's like I get to now put that time to some really good use so yeah there's my reason fantastic and let's let explore that that why and I'd like us to, to take you take us back really to that moment when you received a a diagnosis that um, basically puts you in a in a wheelchair at the age of 17 and what what was the impact and the outlook at that time on your life? Uh, I mean, gosh, very long time ago as well now. <laughs> it was 1992. Um, I didn't get the diagnosis for a couple of years because it took a long time then to, because, you know, I think it still does now, but, but not as long now. But um, I became ill at 17 due to a very nasty flu virus that I'd had maybe about six months before. I think my immune system was just quite compromised by that. And then... Um, I smoked cannabis, as a lot of young teenagers do, and tried that for the first time. And unfortunately for me, I had a really, really, really nasty reaction to it. And between the two things, my body, my immune system just completely just shut down. And it, it was literally overnight. This is a very, very long story, very short. Um, and I was just chronically ill. And it was almost like that. Um, one day I was a very healthy kid, started my A-levels. Uh, with a dream as we were just talking about um becoming a rock climbing structure and living in the canadian rockies by now i'm like hi can my dog and literally the next day i wasn't going back to school well we knew that for the foreseeable future but you know it, it was i think it was about nine ten months before i was able to go back into college at a very 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 reduced level and then i mean the next 24 years were you know an absolute mishmash of chronic illness and 
uh, you know, chronic bone, joint, muscle pain, extreme fatigue. And I mean, extreme where making a cup of tea feels like climbing a mountain. And I now know what it is to climb a mountain. Um, extreme cognitive fatigue, very intense light and sound sensitivity. You know, I couldn't have sat anywhere near this, this beautiful, bright window, had this conversation. Um, and, you know, over the next 24 years, there were times where I could do things, but anything that I did always and I mean you know in NLP if somebody says always work always but this is like the one always you know because usually it's like oh actually maybe there was that time I can never think of a time when I did something as 24 years it didn't result at some point and usually quite quickly in a flare-up of symptoms which would often result in a you know sometimes relapses that would last for obviously days but weeks months and then years and there was an eight-year relapse in my 20s to 30s so that was the time but when I when I could do things I could function but quite often I was in a wheelchair um and then years of being you know pretty much bed and housebound being in a dark room so so it was a very it was a mix of things it wasn't just you know I wasn't just solidly in a wheelchair for 24 years um but every time I did something it was like you know one step forward 20 back that kind of my goodness, I mean that that sounds re- obviously really tough, um, tough on the obviously the body, but tough on tough on the mind. Take us back to that point when you were seventeen, when you know when you're seventeen, you the life's all all for taking, isn't it? And you've got lots of energy, you're optimistic, you're hopeful, and suddenly you're stopped in your tracks by oh. this sort of physical, um, you know, impact on your body. And how, how did you deal with that at the time from a mindset point of view? I think at the time, you know, you just deal with it, don't you? When when something happens, and I, you know, I was very young. Um, up until that day, you know, I'd had I'd had some challenges, like you know, nothing, no, nothing crazy, been terrible until then. I mean, I'd had. It's almost like the most heartbreaking moment I had was when I was. I think I must have been about sixteen, and I was obsessed with sport. I'd been to a when I was fourteen. I went to an outdoor pursuit summer camp in South Wales. Uh, down the road from where I live in North Wales um and I fell in love there with rock climbing and mountain um sorry not mountain biking abseiling and kayaking and all those things and that was when I was like I want to grow up and be a rock climbing instructor um I also fell in love with one of the instructors that was my first human love as I always say but uh yeah and I I was obsessed with sport at school as well and one day I fell over, I think I fell over in the bath, but I hit my knee and it just brought to the attention the fact that I had something called Osgoschlatter's disease, uh, which is hereditary. My brother had it, my had it, my cousin had it. And I was told by the, the doctor that I had to stop sport 100 percent wasn't be able to do sport, uh, no more sport at all in any way, shape, or form. And that that was almost the most heartbreaking moment of my life. But other than that, you know, until I was 17 and then got this diagnosis or became ill yeah you just deal with it you just go through it I mean when I look back on it now incredibly dark time I was really scared you know really scared and I think what I now know about how I got ill and um, we'll come to that um that fear that terror about the whole thing you know because it really was I'd had this dream of you know being this very very venture packed life and uh being a being an instructor in outdoors and living my life in the mountains and suddenly you know i I was in chronic head-to-toe pain. Even my eyelashes hurt. I remember, you know, I touched my eyelashes and they'd be raw. Um, I now know understand what was going on, but at the time we just didn't have a single clue. 
I was also having this this reaction to the cannabis, which was ongoing for a couple of years. So we were dealing with that and trying to figure that out, which we, we couldn't until it, it eventually just disappeared into the depths of everything else that was going on. But at the time, um, you know, what's ME and fibromyalgia, which was the diagnosis that I was given, essentially you're tested for everything and there's no definitive blood test. Or there wasn't at that time. I'm not sure now if there is, but... Um, See, now I deal with this stuff in a very different way. And that's how I got well. It was a very different way to medication. Um, but if you presented with all these symptoms of chronic pain, you know, muscle, bone, joint pain, um, the fatigue and the sensitivities, you know, but everything else on my blood test was coming back normal. I think in 24 years, I, you know, I all I can remember, many tests over the years, they all came back, you know, you're healthy, but here's some morphine. You know, it's like those two things just never added up. Um, and maybe, you know, I would have had some vitamin deficiency or something, you know, but nothing major, you know, just a little bit like B vitamin or something. And that was it. So very demoralizing. And back then, especially now, you know, the lack of belief by society and not everyone in the medical profession, but, you know, there was that big lack of belief because there wasn't that definitive blood test. That was very demoralizing as well. And my mum would sit with me in the doctor's surgery endlessly saying this girl is not depressed you know she that's not what this is <laughs> and again up until that moment I was you know one of the most active healthy teenagers out there so yeah something had clearly happened but we couldn't you know nobody knew why or what so you end up in this loop of having the label of the diagnosis which you know as you know language is everything incredibly impacting um and then just this hopelessness kind of you know we were trying everything over the years that we could access at the different times, you know, from all the different medications and, and then, you know, the pain relief things like morphine and codeine, Valium and different times over the years, they all made me feel worse, to be honest, you know, like they might alleviate it for a moment, but side effects and all of that good stuff. Um, and then all the alternative things over the years that again, we could access from nutrition to Reiki to um, healing or anything but for me, nothing touched it. For other people, you know, we're all different. Things work differently. And, and how did you, and obviously you had that for two decades of your life, which is mm. a long time. How did you just keep going with, A, the going back to the doctors, um, doing daily tasks, uh, which sounded sort of quite sort of, uh, difficult? Yeah. How did you just did you keep going? What, what, was, what was keeping you going? I think my family. You know, my mum and my dad, my brother, his partner, Kirsten, and then my niece when she came along was everything. And my friends. I mean, that's, I was very, very lucky. I knew, I ran a, started an organization online way before Facebook and all of that in 2000 um, to serve as an online community for people that were going through a similar thing that I was going through. Um, but it was very specifically to provide a place where we could relax and have fun and just, just be rather than a sort of a medical or an advocacy club. Um, so I knew a lot of people, thousands of people joined over the years. Um, and I was always very conscious that I was in a very fortunate position to have family around me and friends who believed me and supported me. And a lot of people out there don't have that. And I cannot, you know, when I think about that, when I was aware of that at the time, that was unimaginable. So again, you just, you know, people will say to me, I don't know how, you know, I couldn't have, how did you possibly, it's like, well, if you were in that position, you would have, because you have to, you know, it's like, you just keep going, and you just keep trying, and I, and I think that for me was the, absolutely fa the foundation, perhaps my mindset as well, but 
I definitely went through dark times of depression and you know because if you're that ill you you know you are going to experience you know huge struggles with your sort of ways of thinking um I remember you know the last relapse I had was 2012 to 2016 literally to the day that I did the lightning process which is what got me well um being pretty much in a dark room and when you can't just go for a walk or a run or watch tv you know your brain starts to go a little crazy and having to deal with those kind of things it was like tiny things that wouldn't even factor on my radar nowadays became like dragons you know like monsters and mindfulness helped me quiet and all of that you know while I was lying in in the dark room so but again you, you just you know you keep going and you keep looking and and I'm not you know for the as the years went on, you know, it, it became harder to see how there was going to be anything that was going to, because when you try everything and everything, and it's just not negatively, you know, it's, or pessimistically, it's just like that light gets further and further away, at, you know, at the end of that long, dark tunnel. Um, and would you, when you got, before you all sort of changed, would you say at that point of your life, when you look back on those 20 years or so, mm. Would you say you were a resilient person? And be interesting. What, what would be your definition of resilience at that point? At that point, I mean, it's it's interesting to think back. Was I resilient then? I think I must have been. But again, I wasn't. I was just, you know, living and just trying, just getting through. I can remember. I, I can just remember such dark times, but also the good times. And for me, there wasn't an alternative. You know, there wasn't an alternative. And even the moment when I had my my sort of magical moment of realising the lightning process was the thing that I hadn't done, my brain, I was standing in my room. I'd just come back from the bathroom. This was in 2016. And I was just about to get back into bed for the end of the time. And I heard my brain say, I'm done. And, I, and it wasn't like, you know, I'm going to end my life kind of done, but it wasn't, I am done. What the, have I not tried? What have I missed, you know, in that moment? And I remember that moment so clearly, you know, and I must have had that thought over the years, but not in that way, or that one was just so big. And that was when I was like, ah, oh, that was the thing I haven't, there's something. <laughs> so, so this, this, is this your brain, basically, we, we've, we've almost exhausted everything. I just yeah. can't do any more on this to cope not, with it. I can't. I cannot keep doing this. I mean, I was going to have to, but and if I'd not then next had that thought of oh, lightning process, I'd have got back into bed and, you know, carried on and carried on. You know, you, you don't know how those things would have worked out. Do you? All I know is that that hmm. was that tiny moment. But I must have had times over the years, you know, when, yeah, I don't, I don't remember ever having that where I sort of hit my limit. But, you know, I just got very lucky. The next thought was, oh, lightning process, that's it. Let's try that. And then, bam, everything changed, you know, to, to the complete opposite degree. Of- so so your brain got to a point of I'm, I'm done and that created for you uh, as almost a, a, a sort of doorway into something new, mm-hmm. didn't it? Because it started to make perhaps think, is there something else I've not tried? Um, and often, I think sometimes we in life get into those positions where we feel like we've tried everything to try and get through a scenario mm-hmm. and actually just stepping back a little bit and just actually look for the wisdom, even in the things that have not gone so well, haven't they, to try and 
to help navigate and understand and reflect on it and think differently and different perspectives. So take us through that point then when you then got that moment of, ah, there's something I've not tried. What well, happened the then? The beautiful thing about it as well, because I was just talking about the the uh, mindfulness. Um, so I'd, um, over those four years, but particularly the lot, the, so maybe 2012 to 16, you know, in the sort of second half of that, four-year relapse um when those dragons were huge i just re- realized that i had um Eckhart Tolle and uh Thich Nhat Hanh the two Eckhart Tolle wrote Power of Now who's um it's all about being present and then Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk who's beautiful the two of the most beautiful beings on the planet um and I remember that I had hours and hours of audio so I would listen to them for hours because they were very peaceful very gentle and I developed this mindfulness practice over that couple of years to the point where I was peeing mindfully like everything you know was mindful and it quietened all of that craziness in my brain to almost nothing and that was that was an incredible experience which I'm very grateful to have had because I learned the power of mindfulness in teaching what it can achieve and then I was watching some stuff around that and uh, watching a guy on YouTube or something. And he was talking about neuroplasticity and, and I didn't know, never heard of it. Well, maybe I had, but I hadn't it. And then he started explaining what it was. And I was like, oh, that's what I did. I quietened those, those crazy pathways basically to nothing. And I got so excited about that because I could see that link. And then um, when I was able to, if I could watch something on my laptop, or, or um, podcasts like everything neuroplasticity completely fell in love with it so for those listening neuros your neuro pathways that are firing you firing and wiring in your brain all the time every time you're doing something or creating or talking um i would say like you know when you were five and you learned to tie your shoelace for the first time you were busy firing little pathways in your brain as well that were creating connections and, you know, for that first week, you'd be running out the door and tripping over that lace still, but you kept practicing, practicing it until the moment you ran out the door, said goodbye to your mum, got to school without having to go to A&E because you'd broken your ankle <laughs> tripping over your lace. <laughs> That's like far, you know, your little neuro pathways um, working away there. And then plasticity is how your brain is able to change. So that plasticity of your brain and scientists used to think that our brain stopped changing in our late teens, but we now know that in the 90s, if you're still compartmentalized and able to do think new things your brain is still changing it might just be a little bit slower so um but so I'd, I'd learned all about that and I was just really passionate about it and then when the lightning process hit my little brain my brilliant brain in that moment of what have I missed I rang a practitioner almost straight away and she said um I didn't know anything about it I knew I knew it was NLP I didn't know anything about NLP I'd heard those words uh I'd gone down the CBT route that hadn't worked. Tell us, tell us what, what NLP is, because some people don't know what NLP is. Yeah, so again, N is your neuro pathways or neuro neurons. Um, L stands for linguistics, so it's neurolinguistic programming. Start with that. Um, so N is your neuro pathways. L is linguistics, so that's your language. And anyone who knows anything about me, I'm banging on about that, power of that all the time. Um, so not just that language that we're using when we're speaking to each other and how impacting that can be in a good way and a bad way. But more importantly, that internal narrative that's always ticking away in our brain and learning how to harness that to really create what I call our roadmap for our brain, that really solid foundation that sets our course, part of our life, you know, in the in the direction that we want it to go in rather than that one that's on autopilot. And and then P is programming. So I always talk about how, you know, our brain is, is essentially a computer. Um, and we can program 
that computer and hardwire it with that version of reality that we we want to have again rather than that autopilot version so um so i i didn't know any of this at the time i just heard the three letters nlp like you hear cbt and didn't know what that was and she said to me you know well do you know what neuroplasticity is and in that split second of many moments that are like absolute like so ingrained in me and give me goosebumps but before she'd almost finished the word plasticity my mouth opened and i said i'm in that was all i needed to know and i get really emotional i can feel it in the throat because it was just such a turning point for me and i was lying in bed in the dark being propped up having this this call with this woman who i didn't know and just i didn't even know really anything more and i just said i'm in and i was on a course two weeks later um taken in a wheelchair you know dark glasses under a blanket um didn't again really know much about it you know i was told just just come and just do it you know you're basically taught a technique um that you have to go away and do over and over and over again like tying those shoelaces you know you don't so you, know, you don't learn Spanish in a day. You have to practice and practice. Mm. That's that's where you get change. And I 100,000% know if I'd have gone, learned the technique, done it a few times, and then gone, nah, I would still be in that dark room because in the 24 years of trying, I don't even know how many things, but as many things as we could access, and there was many, um, mm. me, nothing touched it, not even touched it. And on that first day of that course, I was brought back home, and I I can't put my finger on it. And I always say it's um, here. If people are listening just behind my head. I always point to this place here. There was an almost imperceptible shift. It was so tiny, but it was something was different for the first time in 24 years. And I knew myself well enough. and I knew the illness well enough to know something's there. Something's different. And it was well, enough. Was that a different in, in terms of... A feeling or was that a difference in terms of a mindset what what happened i literally couldn't tell you i and it was so you know it was like it was you know almost microscopic it was just an it was just a knowing that something something felt different and all that was was enough to be like you keep doing this thing you do it you know and i just every day for you know 10 20 30 times a day this technique basically and i'll explain very briefly what it what it enables in the body um because you with a lightning process you're not you're not going away you're so you're not um taught to think yourself better so you're not you know i am well i am well it's not affirmations it's not that kind of thing um you know and it, and it wasn't i just decided that now i'm going to be well and i'm going to have a positive mindset and life is awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it's not that at all and I think the, the whole thing of power of positive thinking, which is, is helpful, but yeah, it does. It doesn't mean you can overcome things by just thinking positive about things, is it? It no. really isn't about that. And I think the this particular technique, like process, and, and other similar ones, can have that misconception that you are just thinking yourself better, and therefore I'd mm. be thinking myself unwell. And that's very much not the case. And again, going back to that mis, this misunderstanding of the illness, and oh, they're just depressed or opting out the yuppie flu from in the 80s of high-flying professionals burning out and mm. all that kind of stuff so basically you're taught a particular technique and this technique enables you to switch off the fight or flight response now i'm very excited because i'm about to train to be a practitioner of this so the guy who created the lightning process is a brilliant guy called dr phil parker who created it i guess around 25 years ago now when the work he was doing with people presenting with what i had was doing that that kind of those symptoms he suddenly over time found 
this he, it was having an impact what he was doing and he just developed this training program which is called the lightning process um to become a trainer you have to do all of the clinical training with him so last year i did my year of clinical training so you know i'm now an advanced master practitioner of nlp coaching hypnotherapy with him and after that you can then go on and be a practitioner of the lightning process which i'm about to do so i've been learning about actually what happened because i came away from the course in 2016 you know doing this thing falling in love with nlp neuroplasticity researching everything because i just from the very first day of being on that course it's a three-day training program i was never in a wheelchair again but the most so this, so, so this had a massive impact in terms of physically and all the symptoms everything was just yes. disappearing basically yeah basically i was i never I was never in a wheelchair again um but more importantly i never relapsed again that's the really important part so i would say over the course of about eight months i just went from you know i, I wasn't rock climbing the next day that would have been insane or even a couple of months later um but it rather than that one step forward 20 back it was one step forward two steps forward three steps forward you know i'm, I'm trying to sort of i'm doing a thing by hands but of people that are listening it's kind of hard to, to explain but i just every single day i just got better and better and better and better over the over the months and and it was just wild to do something and not experience uh, any symptoms or a flare-up so I was still unwell, you know, it was like, it was just a gradual increase of health over that time, that sort of upward curve. I just never did something and then flare up, you know, and that, that was, when I say wild, (laughs) it was wild. I remember having a panic attack because I couldn't believe it in uh, Brighton a few weeks later where I was like, how, how, and I was, I had to ring my practitioner and say, I was, you know, really like, this is insane. Well, it is really because because you've had twenty years or so of being this identity because it becomes an identity, doesn't it? This being in a wheelchair, being ill, being in pain, suffering, and and it and it and it's sometimes hard to get out of that mindset of of, of that shift, isn't it? Because you're suddenly going, well, I'm not supposed to be like this because I've had twenty years of this, half my life basically, uh, more than half your life at that point um, would have been literally that's your identity, that's what you've been known for. People have seen doctors, people have been saying that over you, labeling you that, and all that, and now suddenly you're walking around, not relapsing, starting to feel better, which is must be freaking you out to be honest at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was an actual panic attack, and my practitioner said, "Do the lightning process." now on that because you basically it's not just for me fibromyalgia it's essentially for you know i it's cool because i i don't really have any well my niche as a coach is humans who are stuck you know i don't you know i don't work with a certain area or a certain type of person it's like if you're stuck you know or you know it sort of breaks down a little bit more than that but but it is it's for that and you know in that moment i was stuck in it and it moves you forward essentially but w- what it does um because I like to be very clear about this, it, it switches off the fight or flight response. So it well, enables you to switch off the fight or flight response. So there is a physiological thing going on in the body that's out of whack, if you like, but it's something that the medical tests don't pick up. So all those medical tests, you know, we knew they must be right because I had so many of them. It wasn't like one or two that were wrong. Mm. Um, but suddenly I found myself, oh, it what they were right. I am okay, but there was something wrong with me. Um, so basically, you know, in the, days of our prehistoric ancestors that fight or flight you know saved us from the tiger which is why we are all here now which is great 
but that fight or flight then switch off and they go back to the campfire and that, that was awesome nowadays you know unless you're Yoda you know like everyone's in some kind of state of fight or flight to some degree or another um and when it's out of out of whack it's like for me when I was 17 you know I had this flu virus and then this really nasty reaction to cannabis and my body you know I remember it very clearly my body literally just shut down overnight mm. and and then that extreme cognitive sorry um chronic uh symptoms the muscle bone joint pain I always say it's like you know if you had flu if you had, if you had flu uh, no. <laughs> uh or covid or i had covid i had covid a few years ago yeah, okay. yeah do you have the aching joints and muscles no i didn't i didn't get that fortunately uh, yeah no uh, i don't know that. okay so most if anyone whoever's listening you know that that aching uh i used to say when it was really bad um it felt like my bones are being pressed in a vice it's like really oh god that makes me most just thinking about that and i had uh i haven't had covid to my knowledge but i did have a cold or something oh no no that's right it was the covid um the vaccine and i had the 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 after effects of that and i was on the phone to my mom and i was this is terrible this is awful and i was like this is like it was for those years and she's like yeah you dealt with this for 24 years i was like god like but i was so used to it now i'm like you know like i fall apart a couple of days and then it's gone but that was just like oh my god how did i how did i do that for those years um but again you just do because you don't have the choice you know that's the way it is so basically um yeah so the the fight or flight when we get into some sort of state of it for whatever reason and that was my version um we start to produce this sort of you know this constant load of um adrenaline you know cortisol all this you know onto our system and when it doesn't switch off, it causes something called an allostatic load. So this is, you know, this is a medical thing. Um, this is not all in the mind. Um, but basically that load, our bodies aren't built to withstand that load. And what happens is we end up with these sort of inflammatory um, uh, issues in our body that lead to that, you know, inevitable diagnosis of something like ME or fibromyalgia or long COVID. Yeah, long COVID. like, you know, now it's the lightning process is being amazing for long covid I and mean, I'm, I'm yet to be able to train people to do it but um i know friends of mine who are trainers doing amazing work with long covid so um when you switch off the fight or flight uh which the technique allows you to do you have to do it over and over again essentially what happens is you know you take that load reduce it off your system and the body's like oh okay i can breathe again <laughs> i can work again normally because i'm not dealing with this you know so this is not because obviously you talked about that analogy of, of tying your shoelaces and, and training yourself mm -hmm. and, and sort of creating new neural pathways. This is not like a you do a process and then it's done and dusted. It's you've right. got to keep sort of persisting with this and effectively retraining your brain and reprogramming. And that's what we're talking here, because I think some people have that thing. It's just you went to a session they did some NLP and the back process, lightning process, and you were all sorted. Actually, you had to go away and put some work in. Oh man, yeah. And really create new narratives, new new neural pathways that would then help you sort of reduce this fight or flight uh, sort of response that your body was doing for twenty four years of your life. Uh, I guess is that what we're saying? Yeah. I always say it's the hardest work I ever did, but it's the best work I ever did, and oh, I. 
So I do get so emotional. <laughs> can you can you share? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm just conscious of time and, and obviously yeah. trying to explain things. Any that part of that process, how how that might be sort of worked through with somebody? How would they might if you interact with somebody? What sort of things might you say or do? I don't know. Is it's, it's easy to sort of conceptualize it in that way? So, in which the the lining process? Um, no. It, well, it's. I mean, you. It's NLP based. You know, it, you're you're taught a very particular kind of technique, but it's it's um, something that you have to go and train because it's like a three day training program. Right. But it is NLP based, and I mean, what, what? Just go back to what you said just before about you know having to go away and do it. It's very clear. Um, Sam started doing the train now, and one of the things is you have to be very clear with the, the people that you're training that once they're taught it, you know with the, our support you go away and you do it and as i think i said earlier you know if i'd have done it for a couple of weeks and gone yeah it's kind of something but nah, it's not enough you know nothing's really happening i would still be in that we wouldn't be having this conversation now i could you know, i think knowing everything that i did try and being so maxed out strong chance i wouldn't mm. be sat there now doing what i'm doing now um but you know the nlp that i do with my clients um work chronic pain and you know phobias you know phobia with nlp i had a lady the end of 40 minutes couldn't remember what the phobia was she'd had at the start of the session and that's nlp and that was a really severe phobia and she was sat there going wait what was the thing what was that you know so nlp can be like you know absolutely transformational in that moment Mm. but something like the kind of chronic illness i had you know 24 years of you know, like if you think about that sort of that spaghetti junction kind of pathways or those super highways in America, you know, that's mm-hmm. how I see them. Really hardwired, crazy pathways. That's going to take, you know, a lot of work to quiet and right down to some nice little like single track country road down in Cornwall, you know, <laughs> it's like the super. <laughs> um, uh, but, it, you know, I did it. And as I say, hardest work I ever did, but the best. And to be honest, from that first day when I noticed that thing that I can't describe, I had, it was so much fun. You know, I, I fell in love with NLP and the power of my brain, which is now all I bang on about. But it was like, oh, my God, I, I have this, this power, this these choices. And NLP, the lightning process, what I talk about, you know, is like this choice, you know, the, the super skill we humans have of choice. Mm. And and we until we learn it, or we, we you know, I wish this stuff was taught in schools, not necessarily under the name NLP, but like language and how impacting it is. But until we realize we have this, you know, that um, we're never as stuck as we think we are, ever. No, and it's interesting because uh, obviously I'm an NLP practitioner mm-hmm. as well, and understanding the power of words and what they can do in terms of, you know, unlocking or making people stuck mm-hmm. in many ways. And what I do when I work with my clients, sometimes I feel I'm saying something really obvious to them, but right. it's not, it's not obvious because they don't know it. And that, that's, that's fine because I'm, I'm in that world now. I sometimes mm-hmm. think, am I just stating the obvious here that they, they keep repeating a narrative? You keep repeating the same narrative, then you will fulfill that narrative because you get what you focus on, everything else, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's important, isn't it? So actually, I think I mean, there's a lot more, I suppose, I know my daughters read a lot more books on this from a personal development aspect. So I think it's more known about, you know, mm-hmm. things like language and self-talk and narratives and and what we, you know, we create the narrative we create, we all create that will create our life and yeah. the actions we do and everything else. And I think there's more of it, but I agree with you having this 
taught in some shape or form in schools would be brilliant touching because it would really unlock people's they may still need help at some point and everything else as we all do um but actually it would do a lot more for this for the young people in terms of their what they do in their careers why they do things everything yeah i mean you know for us we'd have a lot less clients but i would prefer that i'd prefer (laughs) you know we're humans so there's always stuff to be dealt with but you know especially teenagers um I mean, but yeah, the clients I have, you know, in their 60s, 70s, and, and you just think, you know, how different their life would have been. I mean, I, you know, I learned um, very quickly about the language. And I remember probably in the first couple of weeks, standing in the hallway doing this technique on pain. And I suddenly realized, you know, pain for me was like a skyscraper above me. And I was like, oh, I don't want to say pain anymore. That has a massive impact on my physical body. <laughs> like when I say it, it doesn't now, I can say it and it, I don't flicker, you know, cells are like, eh. um, but I changed the word to stuff. And, and when I would use, you know, uh, with my family and friends, because they still needed to know, because it wasn't immediate, you know, mm-hmm. it took a while before I was well enough to go out and live. And then I started rock climbing. Maybe we haven't talked about that, but I started rock climbing like, you know, the year after. And, you know, that was it. Seven, six years, sorry, six years of climbing and hill walking and, and all that kind of stuff. But for, there was a period of time where, where I was getting well, where I needed to still be able to communicate it. But I didn't want to say, OK, the pain's not good today because that would just that neurology would go, oh, OK, we're going back there again. And we're nowhere near getting out of this yet. So I'd use the word stuff and I'd say to my mom and my dad and my family, like, you know, if I'm not good. I'm just going to say the word stuff, like stuff's not good today. And when I'd say that, my body just, there was no recognition. My family mm-hmm. would people that look out for me, you know, they wouldn't be like, oh, you're okay. Because they knew about all of this. We would talk, you know, I explained it all and they were amazing and my friends too. And they would just keep that little eye out or they just know that I, I was just, you know. And so I could just sneakily, you know, go through this time and and my brain was like no any different and, <laughs> and then eventually it was like you're, sort yeah. of, you're foxing your brain a little bit by yeah. mentioning stuff so it doesn't get so okay that's okay it's just stuff isn't it no big deal stuff means nothing it's like what's what's the most you know or but it, but this is this is it, it's it's so um you know language is so important and what we say and how we say it in our brains and so sensitive isn't it our brains to this and i think it's being really wise and obviously you realized by mentioning the word pain that that created a bit of a reaction and it actually just shifting but it, it's knowing that isn't it and, and this is where i guess from a being as you know as a coach we can help clients in that way because we can help spot that things for them and help them empower them because it's all about empowering people coaching is all about empowering people mm-hmm. to be self-sufficient sustainable for themselves so you obviously went through this process uh well 24 years in pain uh wheelchair you went through a process that then you worked on on yourself and then now you, you're rock climbing and, and then you become a coach what was the the impetus then to then become a coach because obviously yeah. Yeah. you know I, I get the you know new life back to what you has you like to be rock climbing and everything else but why coaching what was the, the last few minutes of our, our conversation what was the why behind that oh, this is the other emotional where I, you know, I get like oh god i remember this moment so clearly so i i absolutely know that coaching from the second I went on the lightning process course coaching was waiting for me like it was like right now you're going to get well now now go off have your life go and figure out who you are because I was 41 when I got well and go and experience the world uh so go have some fun I did that and 
got a job working for the Youth Hostel Association in Canberras. North Wales was always where I wanted to live. You know, Canada was like the ultimate retirement one day thing. But North Wales was, is, well, is my spiritual home. Um, so I made a beeline for here, bought a van, which my dad converted into a beautiful camper van. Lived in that for a couple of years before lockdown. Um, climbed just, just like, oh, I could climb. <laughs> I climbed and climbed and climbed. Some mornings I would make, you know, 40 bunk beds, you know, on my own after making 40 breakfasts for kids at six in the morning. Then I'd rock climb in the afternoon, then 40 dinners in the evening, you know, summer holidays, day after day, just lived, you know, and the world opened up for me. And then obviously lockdown happened. Um, We had a particularly difficult, challenging, unfamiliar, as I say in NLP, uh, lockdown, my father passing away in the very early lockdown um, before vaccines. And that was a very, very dark time. And I've said to my mum, not so long ago, I'd rather have those 24 years back than the two years from the moment he passed, because it was immensely, immensely difficult. And other things happened on top. And I also didn't really have a home because <laughs> I'd been living in a van. Um, and massive, massive grief, depression and, and difficult stuff. But in that moment, in that, sorry, in that time, I think it was the first winter of the lockdown. Uh, I was, friends were taking me in and looking after me and um, I had a very dark depression time um, and end of a bottle of wine, which really too depressed, but, you know, it was that time. Uh, my friend and I were sitting on his couch and talking about, you know, life. And it's like, what am I doing in my life? And it was that question that so many people were asking during lockdowns mm. in different ways for different reasons. And for me, it was like, what am I doing? I love the YHA and the youth hostels, but, you know, I've, I've got, I don't know how long I've got now, you know, because we don't know how long we've got. Hopefully I'll be around till I'm in my nineties and still climbing or coaching and maybe not climbing, but coaching. And, uh, and I asked that question and, my brain literally just went, this is when you do that thing. Like, it wasn't like, oh, coaching could be fun. You know, I like neuroplasticity. That could be good. It was like, this is when this happens. And I again, get proper choked up because it was like such a light in such a dark time. And the next morning I woke up, I hadn't been getting out of bed till two o'clock most days, if you know that, and really, really deep grief. But I woke up, opened my laptop. I already had my domain, but I started like, my name um and just started building my website and that was it and it just gave me purpose it was about eight months because I'd committed to finishing my old job at the youth hostel when we opened up so I did that and I was doing 60 hour weeks so the actual business didn't really get off the ground properly until October where I went full-time and then I, that's when I went to the clinical training with Phil um but it was you know it's purpose I get out of bed every day it's not a job for me it's absolute purpose I get mm. to pay it forward you know and and if I'd have gone on and carried on work with YJ or something else that would have been awesome like you know just gone in my life I'd still be talking about this in Tesco queues which I was doing (laughs) five years before you know that moment I'd have many conversations and random places singing the praises of Phil Parker and the lightning phrases but now I get to do things like this and and then also coach clients and enable them to create the change that they're seeking to make in their life whatever reason why ever they're stuck so yeah my literally it was like this is when that happens it'd been waiting you know there's no two ways around it that's fantastic Alison and uh, it's been great uh, talking to you and it's lovely to hear the story and it is an incredible transformational story but uh, something that you you put a a lot of work into this it's not about just you know somebody's done 
flip the switch and that's it. You've got to work at this, uh, but you've discovered something, you know, the power of the mind and creating new net neural pathways. And I think that's really uh, quite powerful and it's powerful in all shapes and sizes of, of people, whether in sports or in business or just general life. Uh, what you and I do is, is, is transformational to people's, uh, how they go about their, their daily living uh, and also makes them more enjoy life as well with it. Uh, so that's really good. I really appreciate you sharing today. Uh, very candid and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been really interesting, very inspirational as well. So I'm sure people will find it inspirational. Um, if people want to connect with you and get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? My website uh, would be the place. So it's Alison with one L and then Petty, as in Mr. Tom Petty, my favorite singer of all time. Um, Papa, uh, uh, sorry, two T's, Petty, P-E-T-T-Y. Um, and yeah, I always say if anyone's interested just to have a, or would like to just have a conversation about the health transformation, perhaps they're going through something or they know somebody, they're not interested in coaching, but they just would like to find out more. Half of what I do is coaching. The other half is telling the story. And talking about it so i would you know what i would give to have had the conversation with me you know 10 years into my illness you know i always think yeah 24 years is, it's for what i do now it's um it's a good number to be able to go out and tell an inspirational story and create them you know it's an impactful amount of time i always think to the universe i'm like oh, i think 10 years still would have like <laughs> been a good amount of time i still could have told a good story and done what i'm doing but yeah, so if anyone wants to just have a chat, you know, with no obligation with anything else, please do get in touch. Um, you can book that through my website. There's a booking page. Um, but also for coaching, it's, you know, always have a free discovery calls. Just want to chat about how the work I do can enable awesome transformations in your life. Um, but yeah, everything's everything's on that, alisonpetty.com. Brilliant. Thank you, Alison, for your time today. Oh, thank you, Julia. This has been awesome. I loved it. And um a real honor to you to ask me to be on it so thank you so much appreciate it thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you like this episode then please rate review and share it with your friends and colleagues as a coaching practice i coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible if this sounds like you then let's have a conversation you can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com you